We all have stories, stories of how God changed our lives, how the Holy Spirit has transformed us and the people around us. I mean, when I think about my story, he's healed me from past hurt. Yeah, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here. He healed me. The vending machine dropped two bags of chips yesterday. Delicious. That's not him. No? No. Are you sure? Yes. I don't know. Kind of feels like it. It's not. Come on, does anybody agree with me that two bags of chips in the vending machine, that could be the Holy Spirit? I mean, seriously, that's, that's a good day. That's a good day when that happens. Hey, we're glad you're here. Uh, my name is Josh Surratt. I serve as a lead pastor, and we are just so glad that you're here. Some of you may be here for the very first time uh, at Seacoast, and just know that we are honored to have you uh, as guests here at the, at the, the church, and hopefully uh, you'll connect with some people throughout the, the journey here, and it'll start to feel like family, start to feel at home. We're one church located in 14 different locations. And so I want to say through the cameras, happy uh, today, happy Sunday. Um, it's not a holiday, is it? We're glad you're here. We're, we're, we're happy. This is the fourth time I've done this. So bear with me a little bit, but we're glad that you guys are here, all of our locations. And check this out. I wanted to share a, a letter with you from our unofficial 15th campus here. And uh, they sent this just a couple of days ago, a couple weeks ago. And I love this. So I want to share it with the church. It says, Dear Seacoast, this is a thank you letter for the DVDs of your sermons from week to week. To be able to hear the word of God and to see how much you are doing in your various ministries for everyone gives us encouragement in here. God is working in this prison through your DVDs. On Hampton B-Wing, we have a growing number of viewers. The current series on Where's the Love, this was a couple weeks ago, really gets to the meat of the subject of how much we need God's love and to love each other. It is a blessing to have your guidance and help with learning how to develop a closer relationship with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Your church is in our daily prayers. Please continue bringing God's word to all that you can. May our Lord Jesus bless you and keep you in his loving arms. In Christ's love, residents of the Hampton B Wing at Allendale Correctional Institution. We're glad you guys are here. Let's say hey to our friends at Allendale. I mean it, we are honored to have you as a part of the church family. We believe in you guys, proud of what you're doing, uh, proud of the, the third option groups that have started happening uh, in several prisons throughout the state. Um, Jim Wright, who is at our Somerville campus, God spoke to him about 15 years ago, more than 15 years ago at a first Wednesday service and gave him a vision to care for some of these these people, and so for the last 15 years, he's been coming every single week, picking up a big stack of DVDs and driving up to the prison and doing small groups and doing church up there. And so Jim and Somerville, just proud of you and, and the work that you're doing. And you know, they said that um, in that letter, I just was noticing this this last time that, that I read it, at the end it said, I hope you continue to get God's word anywhere that you can. It'd be kinda cool to be in every prison in the, the state. I, I think it'd be really cool if, if God put on some of y'all's hearts to, to do that. So I'll just plant a seed there and, and you guys can see what happens with it. But really, really encouraged by that. So we're in a series right now called Ghost Stories and uh, we're telling stories about uh, the Holy Spirit, or as we call them in my family's faith background growing up, Pentecostal Church, the Holy Ghost. And, um, and I wanted to do something as we get started 
to kind of help you guys understand the challenge at hand uh, to lead a church like this and to especially talk to a church like this about a topic like the Holy Spirit. And uh, we do inside track is our connection process. If you're new, haven't done that before, I'd encourage you to do it. We typically start it on the first weekend of every month. And one of the things we do at inside track is we love to find out where people are from and introduce themselves and, and what their church background is because it helps us to see who's coming and, and how to best lead in that way, and so I thought we'd do that together. I'm not gonna let all of you introduce yourself, but I wanna figure out what church backgrounds are represented uh, here, and our campuses are gonna participate as well. So you're gonna have to raise your hand here uh, when I call on the one that, that sounds like you. How many of you grew up with a Baptist church background? Just slip a hand in the air, that's great. A lot of people uh, from the Baptist background. I heard a stat recently that there are more Baptists in South Carolina than there are people in South Carolina, which is kind of a cool, <laughs> cool deal. But um, how many of you would say Methodist? You grew up in a Methodist church background? Okay, cool, a lot of Methodists in the house. Uh, what about Presbyterian? Anybody from a Presbyterian background? Look at you, I'm proud of you raising your hand in church. Look at that, that's amazing. <laughs> so good. Uh, what, about, um, what about Catholics? Any Catholic background? All right, take a minute, look around, look at that. It's amazing. We learned early on that almost 50% of the people that are coming into the doors of Seacoast grew up with some sort of a Catholic background, and we think that's really cool uh, you know, and, and amazing. We have some of our staff even that have come to the church out of a Catholic background, and so we're glad that you guys are here. Um, what about a, a Pentecostal or charismatic background? Come on, raise two hands. Two hands. <laughs> it's great. Some of y'all have raised your hand every time. It's like I tried that for a while, I did that for a little bit. Yep, tried that, you know, it's, it's great. What about just some good old-fashioned sinners? You didn't have any kind of church background. You didn't go to church growing up. Come on, there you go. A lot of you guys in that category. We're glad you guys are here. And frankly, you're the easiest person, people to talk to about this topic because you don't have any preconceived ideas. And, and I just wanted you to feel that in the room for a minute because everyone in here grew up with some kind of a, a background and understanding some, some truth that you know, some maybe misperceptions that you might have uh, about the Holy Spirit, you have a normal for you, and your normal is very weird for somebody else on your row. And so, uh, you know, so that's, that's what we're dealing with. It's the challenge of leading a church like this, which is great, but especially when you introduce a topic like the Holy Spirit. And so with all of that said, I, what we're doing is we're on a four-week journey, this is week two, where we're just deciding, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna leave whatever maybe misperceptions that we might have. Uh, we talked last week, some of us are like, we, we, we've known somebody who was really excited about the Holy Spirit and they were really weird and we kind of agreed that, you know what, people are weird um, and the Holy Spirit doesn't make you weird. You were weird before you had the Holy Spirit and some people just are still weird afterwards, that's fine. Um, but, but we're gonna lay all that down and just kind of go, my goal isn't to give you Seacoast theology on the Holy Spirit, it's really for us to look at the Bible, see what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit and try to leave whatever baggage we might have to the side and just be open to God moving in a powerful way because I believe, as we'll kind of talk today, I believe he wants us to experience the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And so since it's ghost stories and, and we're telling stories, I wanna tell you, go back to the original uh, moment where the Holy Spirit was introduced to the church and then we're gonna tell some stories about what we've seen the Holy Spirit do in the lives of some of us here at the church. And so going back to, well, the very beginning, the Holy Spirit was there uh, with God when he created the earth. We won't go that far back, but in Acts chapter two is this moment in the life of the church where the church had its first encounter with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and we're still a part of that church today. You know, centuries later, 
Um, but, but I wanna go back to that moment. And it's in Acts chapter two. If you have Bibles, you can kind of follow along and, 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 and we'll look at it. In Acts chapter one, Jesus ascended to heaven and they actually had a meeting at the end of Acts chapter one that when I look at it, it seems like a pretty terrible church meeting. They, they did a vote. Uh, they had to replace Judas. You guys remember he was out of the picture now and so they voted on you know, another guy and one guy was voted in, one guy was voted out and uh, it just seemed like a little bit of a stale church service and then they gather together in Acts chapter two and everything changes for the church. In fact, this is the moment where I would say the church got its mojo uh, the church got the it factor. Do you know somebody who's just got an it factor? Like they tend to say the right things or know the right things. And, and I'm not saying the church doesn't have flaws, but man, something happened out of this moment that we're gonna look at that changed the church forever. And so let's look at it together. Acts chapter two and verse one. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. I want you to, to circle the phrase day of Pentecost if you're taking notes. See, what does that mean? Well, day of Pentecost. See, if I were to tell you a story, and in the story I said, hey, on the 4th of July, you would automatically know a lot of things and make a lot of assumptions about that day, right? Because if you're an American uh, here, and I know we have many who are not, who are joining us online and some who are here, but if you're in America, you know a, a lot goes with that day. It's a day we celebrate our Declaration of Independence uh, it's, it's a day we eat a lot of hot dogs. Uh, it's a day we spend time at the pool. There's a lot of cultural things and then historical things that are tied into that day. And like any other holiday that we might talk about, Christmas or Easter, you're gonna know some things. Well, as the, the New Testament church would read this in the early days, they would know a lot about what that means. That would inform them a lot about what was going on during that time because this is a holiday, a Jewish holiday that they celebrated every single year. They still do to this day. And so before we jump into kind of the practical part of today's message, I wanna give you just a quick understanding of two Jewish holidays and I think it'll make sense to you as we do it because it really explains a lot of what was going on in this moment in Acts chapter two. And I'll, I'll preface it by giving you this passage, Matthew five seventeen. This is Jesus. He said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus says, I've come to be a fulfillment of the law and the prophets. What are the law and the prophets? This is the Old Testament in your Bibles. When you, when you open up your Bibles, you have two sections. The Old Testament would be the law and the prophets. And the Jewish holidays that they celebrate, including the day of Pentecost, were, were given to the, the Jewish people by God in the books of the law. Uh, the book of Exodus, Leviticus goes into details about how they're to celebrate some of these holidays, numbers as well. And so, so Jesus says, hey, I have come not to abolish that, but I've come as a fulfillment. In other words, all of those books in the Old Testament are pointing to Jesus, the Messiah that they prophesy about, the, thing that the, the Messiah that they're hoping for all points to Jesus. He fulfills these things. And so two holidays that I wanna look at. One is um, Passover. Day of Passover. This is celebrated every single year uh, in the Jewish tradition. And many of you know this, but the Passover uh, commemorates and, and, and remembers a moment in history for the Jewish people that dates all the way back to the book of Exodus. And if you remember, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and God didn't want them to be slaves in Egypt and they cried out to him. And so he found a man, his name was Charlton Heston, and he came in to <laughs> Egypt 
Moses was his name, but if you saw the movie, you know what I'm talking about. And, and Moses comes, God sends him and says, hey, we're gonna go ahead and take the people of Israel out of Egypt now. And Pharaoh's like, no, I'm not on board with that because these are, this is his workforce. This is his slave labor. They're building, some people think some of the pyramids that are even there to this day, but they're building and establishing this empire of Egypt. And so Pharaoh doesn't want him to go. And so God sends these plagues. The 10th plague was the worst plague, finally got his attention, which was that the firstborn of every Egyptian family, the firstborn son was gonna die in the middle of the night. And God doesn't want his children, the Israelites, to suffer that same fate. And so in order to make a way for them to, to, to survive this, they have a Passover lamb that they sacrifice. They cover their doorways and the, the tops of their door with the blood of that lamb. And that night as this angel of death comes through the camp, if there's blood on the lamb of the doorpost, the angel passed over that home and the Israelite firstborn sons were saved. And that's exactly how it played out. And so this day of, of horror for the Egyptians, all of the Israelite families had been saved and spared. And so if that happened to you, you would celebrate that every single year too. In fact, it did happen. These are our ancestors. This is our lineage. And so every year, this is what the Jews celebrate when they celebrate Passover. Well, remember, Jesus didn't come to abolish, but to fulfill. And it's really cool in our Christian tradition to see that Jesus was the fulfillment of that. And I wanna show it to you uh, really quickly and really clearly here. In the Passover at 9 a.m., according to the Hebrew tradition and law, a lamb was slaughtered. At 3 p.m., it was put in an oven and the blood of that lamb literally covered the sins of the people so that the angel would pass over the people. Jesus, on the day of Passover, at 9 a.m., was crucified. That would be when they put the nails into his arms. At 3 p.m., we know that he was put into the grave because they had to get ready for uh, the Sabbath, which was coming on the following day. And the blood of Jesus didn't just cover our sins. The blood of Jesus removed our sins. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Passover. It's super cool to understand that, that, that when we talk about Passover and the Christian faith, which we celebrate at Easter, what we're celebrating is salvation. What that represents for us is salvation, that because of nothing that we did on our own, but because of what Jesus did for us, there is a penalty for sin, it's death. We've experienced that some in our, our lives and we've experienced that in relationships and Jesus came to pay that that penalty so that we don't have to pay it anymore. And, and you may go, well, okay, like that's maybe a bit of a stretch. Look at, uh, look at Paul in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. There wasn't a more devout Jew according to Paul than Paul. Paul was, uh, he understood it all. He was, he was there. Uh, and here's what he says. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Jesus came to fulfill it. And, and I, I love this passage in Ephesians because it just is so clear that it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works, so that nobody can boast. We don't add anything to that. We don't bring our own you know, greatness into the equation to help Jesus. It was just what he did. He died for us. And some of you maybe need to hear that. Maybe you're hearing it for the first time, that man, you don't need to carry the weight of your sin, the guilt, the shame. God, God has removed our sins from us because of what Jesus did on the cross. That's Passover. That's Passover. Well, Let's get to this, this next one, which is the day of Pentecost. The day 
of Pentecost. This is a, a holiday that, again, to this day, the Jews celebrate. Uh, some call it the Festival of Weeks. Uh, if you've kind of studied some of the Jewish holidays, and, and remember last week, Dad talked about this, the day of Pentecost, and some of you are afraid, like, man, we're talking about Pentecost today. Uh, what is that gonna be all about? Well, let me, let me allay some of your fears. Pentecost literally means 50 days. It's 50 days. Uh, Penta, you know, the Pentagon, uh, five sides. It's 50 days is what Pentecosti translates to. And so 50 days after the Passover is this celebration. And in the Jewish tradition, it's, I won't get into the weeds of it all, but the day after the Sabbath, after the Passover, it's the festival of weeks. It's seven weeks, 49 days, plus that day of the Sabbath that makes 50 that they celebrate the festival of weeks. And what they're commemorating in the Jewish tradition is the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. You guys remember that? They get out of Egypt now uh, after Passover. They cross over the Red Sea. And then there's this incredible moment where Moses goes up onto the mountain. A cloud descends on the mountain. And he comes out with the Ten Commandments that God has given them uh, and giving the law to his people. And what you need to understand about that is that is a, a, an incredible gift that God gave them. Remember, they've been slaves for hundreds of years that they needed some guidance. They needed the law to know how to live in community together, to know how to establish themselves as a nation, to, to figure out, I mean, they're, they're starting fresh with no background. And so God, in his grace, he'd already saved them. He'd already given them the Passover. They'd already gotten out of Egypt. And now he's helping them to figure out how to live in community with one another. And to this day, if you talk to a Jewish person about the law, that's not a burden to them, it's, they're grateful for the law. That's something that God gave them so that they can know how to live to this day. Well, fast forward to the day of Pentecost. Remember, that's the first verse, Acts 2, verse one, on the day of Pentecost, and you can read it. I'm not gonna read you the whole thing. Something incredible happened, and, and I believe it's the fulfillment of what was promised way back then or what happened way back then. A cloud descended with loud noise and fire on the mountain, you guys remember that? God wrote his law on tablets of stone, uh, which was a gift for them so that they knew how to live and could accomplish what God had called them to accomplish. You may remember 3,000 people died that day because Moses was up on the mountain for a long time. They began to assume that something had happened to him and they made these golden calves, actually violated the first two commandments of, that, that God gave, gave them on the mountain and, and 3,000 people died as a result of that that day. Well, in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit descended with loud noise and fire you can read it. It was, it was a little crazy, uh, but it was awesome. Uh, and there was power in it. God wrote his law, not on tablets of stone, but on our hearts. He gave us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to, to guide us, to lead us, to empower us, to live our lives. And 3,000 people were saved at the end of that chapter. If you read Acts 2, I think it's verse 40 or 41 uh, where 3,000 people were, were saved as a result of that, the fulfillment of a, a holiday that they knew very much uh, what it was about. And so in light of that, I wanna talk to you about what this is all about. A couple scriptures I wanna show you related to it. And first of all, yeah, you're filling the blank. Some of y'all will freak out if I don't give that to you. This is what Pentecost is about. Pentecost is about power to make a difference. If, if Passover is about salvation, Pentecost Acts chapter two, being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's about power. It's, it's about, man, we have a job to do. We've got work that God wants us to accomplish, but we can't do it on our own. We've got to rely on a power that is greater than ourselves. And so Jesus in Acts chapter one, before he left, 
says, after his suffering, he presented himself to them, gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. He, remember, you, he walked through some walls. He showed them his scars. He, for 40 days, he was appearing and showing up and setting things up for what was to come. He spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse eight, he says, but you will receive, say this word with me, power. You will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I wanted you to understand that Pentecost was about the church having the power to be able to do what God had called them to do. And Jesus says, there's important work for you to do. There are people that need to know about the grace that I'm offering. Some of them are in Judea, some of them in Samaria, and then all across the ends of the earth, there are people that you're gonna serve, that you're gonna heal, that you're gonna pray for, that you're gonna preach to. There, there's work that you need to do, but don't go yet. You're not ready for it yet. This work can't be accomplished on your own. You need to go and you need to wait because I'm gonna empower you with my spirit. And Seacoast, I believe the same applies to us. There's so much that God has in store for us. There are people that he wants this church to, to, to bless, to be a part of their healing process, to see relationships restored, to see people, you know, um, served in financial ways. And there are hurricanes that are happening that he's called the church, but he doesn't want us to do it on our own power. He wants to empower us so that we come in filled with the Holy Spirit and able to, to be attentive to where he's already at work in people's lives. And, and I just wanna share with you um, where I'm coming from as I talk about the power that we need as a church. I don't wanna be a guy standing on a platform preaching at you about something. This is something that we're living right now. Two weeks ago from today, my wife and I were getting on an airplane uh, to come home from a trip that we were on and we got a call that my mother-in-law who's here in this service, who's an amazing woman, uh, serves our kids like crazy, serves our family, prays for this church. You may not know Bobby Barr, but the woman prays for you uh, and she's an intercessor. We got a phone call that she had been rushed to the emergency room and by the time our plane landed, we realized that there was a, a mass in her chest uh, right around her lungs that was about the size of a lime, five and a half centimeters by five and a quarter centimeters. And I mean, talk about... Uh, a blow, talk about just everything's going fine and all of a sudden we got a problem on our hands. We are in a fight, we got something going on and, and I, I won't get into the details of that but just uh, know that it's been a roller coaster ride since then. We've had some, some really scary news, we've had some better news and then we've had some confusing news and right now all we know is that, that it's there and that it needs to come out um, and we've got some great people that are serving and helping us with that, physicians that we're working with. But, but just know, know that like I'm standing here going, man, I'm praying desperately to see God's power manifest in, in her life and healing. I believe that he can do that. We're praying for that. Um, and, and I believe that God's called me to do some things. He's called our family to do some things that we can't do on our own. And the same applies to you, every one of us. Some of us are facing situations right now where we need God's power in order to accomplish what he's called us to. And I want us to be a church that leans into that, says I'm willing to lay down whatever crazy ideas I've got or things that I've maybe learned that need to unlearn 
and go, God, I just wanna be open to being empowered by you so that I can accomplish all that you've called me to accomplish. And so, so let's jump into to three quick thoughts. What kind of power can we expect when the Holy Spirit fills our lives? The first one is the power to live righteously. When I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, he empowers me to live righteously. Now remember, we, we've already talked about Passover. The righteousness that we have and kind of being in right standing with God, that's all done on the cross. That's not because of how great we are. That's not because of how much we get it right, more than we get it wrong. That's salvation, that's Passover. But would you agree that God's best for our lives is that as we grow in our faith, that we wouldn't continue to be struggling with the very same things that we were struggling with a year ago at this time. That we would be growing, that we would be, we'd be growing in, in, in our faith, we'd be experiencing freedom and maybe some areas that we had bondage in, and that we would live lives that look markedly different than what they looked like before Christ saved us. And, and part of that is just this daily kind of learning. It's kind of like, remember, the day of Pentecost, what they celebrated was the giving of the law that helped them to navigate life well. Well, well God, in giving us his spirit, wants us to be able to experience freedom and to live righteously. And man, if you're like me, there is a battle that you face every single day, which is you wanna be obedient, but there's another part of you that really doesn't wanna be obedient because there's some things you enjoy doing that aren't what God's called you to do. I mean, am I the only one with that testimony? There's this kind of, but thank you. I've got some friends in the house. And so, so this flesh versus spirit battle that we face, and Paul talks about it a lot in Romans, and I love the way he says this in Romans chapter eight, he says, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature. Some of y'all are like, yes, I am. You should see my, if you did, were you with me last night? Uh, he's saying, no, you're not controlled by your sinful nature, but by the spirit, if the spirit of God lives in you. And I believe that one of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our church, even this weekend, is to to empower us in a way that we would experience some freedom. And, and there's relationships that we're gonna need to leverage to help with their, that, there's community. But man, the spirit of God living within us to give us the, the power to say no to some things that we've been saying yes to, even in some decisions that we're trying to make. I, I love this verse in Isaiah, prophetically speaking about the spirit of God, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, hey, this is the way, walk in it. How cool is that? To be able to hear a whisper from God, hey, Josh, this is a conversation you need to lean into. This is somebody that maybe you, God's called you to, to pray with. Transparently, hey, this is the, the doctor that you need to align yourself with in this situation. Hey, here's some people that I've placed in your path for a purpose that are gonna help you, that are gonna help others. And, 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 and we, we, we have the Spirit of God living inside of us to help us navigate life, to live righteously. You know, another thing that we can expect when we experience God's power in our lives is he's gonna empower us to live supernaturally, to live supernaturally. Would you agree that Jesus, when he walked the earth, he did some things that were supernatural. I mean, are we all on the same page there? I mean, he healed some people. Uh, he cast some demons out of some people. One time he threw them into some pigs and they jumped off of a cliff. It's amazing. He had a sense of humor too. Uh, he, but, but he lived with a power that was beyond what uh, he could do in the natural. 
And, and you know, Jesus said that to his disciples, you know, when I go, you're gonna do even, even greater works than what I've done. And, and I just believe that God has called us to live supernaturally, that we're gonna face things throughout our lives. And, and I'm not talking about just crazy, weird things. I'm saying there are gonna be some times that you need to rely on a power that is greater than yourself, that you're not gonna be able to solve that problem on your own. You're gonna need to lean into and tap into the power of God at work in your life. And we either believe this stuff or we don't. And, and sometimes that may look like a miracle and healing. And by the way, we've experienced many of those in our church. And in fact, even more so recently, God's been doing some cool things around that. In fact, I wanna share a story with you of a friend of mine named Micah, whom many of you may recognize because he's a part of our worship team. And he, um, just a, a great friend. And he's been traveling a difficult journey with his health over the last several years. And God has touched him in a supernatural way in the last couple of months. And so take a minute, check out Micah's story, and uh, I think you'll be encouraged by it. So 2013, I came down with what we thought was just the flu, kind of started getting stomach sick. And so this became a daily thing um, where I was nauseous, in a lot of pain, um, vomiting, um, passing a lot of blood, vomiting blood. There was a period of time where I would have to wake up um, two hours before my alarm to take medication um, just so that I could actually get out of bed. At the roughest point of the disease, I'd lost 40 pounds. So I work in healthcare. Um, I'm a PA, a physician assistant. I work in emergency medicine. I've been doing that for eight years, and it was difficult as the years went on, um, realizing that I could help my patients, but I couldn't help my husband. I don't know, I think that was the hard part, just watching him kind of go through something that I couldn't fix. We'd spent so much time getting so many different opinions and diagnoses almost from different people that at, at some point I just felt like maybe it was just all in my head and I even asked the doctor that question. I, I said, um, I can handle it. <laughs> just tell me, am I, am I making this up? Is this in my head? And that's kind of when we started seeing a, a new doctor here in town, an environmentalist, and he diagnosed me with a rare form of MS um, that resides in the gut. I think the darkest moment came when Amanda and I were thinking about other people that we've prayed for, that we had, we had seen healing and restoration for, and it wasn't coming for us. And just going, God, what is the purpose of this? Why would you want somebody who's serving you to suffer this much? Brandon Lake, one of the worship leaders at, at, our, at the church and a dear friend of mine, he kind of pulled me aside and said, hey man, I know you're, you're struggling, but I just feel like I gotta tell you the Lord is is gonna use your story and it's, he's gonna use it soon. So just hang in there if that gives you any hope. So this is the 25th of March. I was playing that weekend at church. Lance Gatch was playing that weekend with me and he said he has a friend in Nashville named Joshua Silverberg. So Micah came home and was like, Lance told me about this guy that has some healing prayer or something, we should talk about it. And um, I remember both of us kind of sarcastically chuckling, like, I guess you could get healed over the phone. What else do we have to lose at this point? Like, sure, let's try. So Tuesday, March 27th, I see that I have a call from Josh. So I answered the phone and I had 
obviously I've never met him. This is my first time ever speaking to him. I don't really know anything about him. So we start talking and he finally gets kind of the place where he starts praying for me. And the only way I can describe the feeling is just like um, there was this like electricity that was kind of pumping through my body, I felt like, as he started to pray for me. He said, um, Jesus, give Micah back everything that Satan has taken from him. And in that moment, it was like a lightning bolt that just broke. His countenance changed, like his shoulders were heavy, his eyes were heavy. And I remember instantly seeing that come off. I jumped into the air with this energy sitting right here. And he said, what are you feeling? And I was like, the only thing I could say was, I feel the opposite of fatigue. Whatever that is, that is what I feel right now. So he says, well, test it out. Go run around or something. So I get up and I'm running around my yard <laughs> on the phone with this guy that I just you know, don't know at all, screaming like a crazy person. And uh, he's doing the same. He's in Nashville running around his yard, screaming, freaking out. And um, in that moment, I was completely healed and completely released. We'd been on the phone for about an hour, and he says, hey, I'm really sorry, I have to go. He was asked to speak that night at his church on healing. He then, he was like, well, hey, if you want, you can watch this service online. We log in, watch the service, and so not only do I get healed, but within an hour, Josh shared my testimony that night, and there were people in the room that were healed through it. It's crazy to think that um, something that we had accepted as, as normal, this sickness just became okay, this is part of our story now. This is our, our burden to bear, the thorn in my side. The Holy Spirit changed it in a second um, over the phone with a stranger. If he had gotten healed gradually over a couple months, um, I would have been able to chalk it up to some kind of treatment or medicine or whatever that we had been on, but because it happened like in an instant before my eyes, um, I knew it had to be Jesus. Like I didn't, have, I didn't have any way to argue it or to not believe what had happened. We learned how to pray without getting answers for a long time too, which I think is something really painful um, that I would never have admitted before, but there were many years of no answers to those prayers. But now we got one. So this year, I, I do have the, the honor of getting to play with Need to Breathe Again. Love playing with them, but it's a whole different experience because I actually get to fully enjoy it. Not having to fight through just to get to the show, just to, to do my job, but actually I get to spend time with people and build relationships and um, really enjoy each moment for what it is, which is so different than last year, and it's, it's such a gift. Come on. share that story with you uh, partially because um, I can be a skeptic like the rest of you. Um, I, you know, Micah and Amanda are very close friends of mine and we've walked with them for years now with this. And, and if you knew the number of times that Micah would play at the beginning of the worship set and then lay in the back, backstage doubled over in pain uh, and then he would get up enough energy to come and finish it. And we just, we prayed and prayed and prayed and, and I, I believe and know that God has healed him. He's just a different different guy now as it relates to his health and it's amazing and so it's built my faith and I want it to build yours too because God can do the supernatural. God wants to do the supernatural. I don't know and even pretend to understand his ways 
And I can certainly relate, as many of you can, to the feeling of praying and praying and praying and not having a prayer answered. And so, so I, I'm not interested in manipulating your emotions today. What I am interested in doing is helping you to understand and believe that God can, God can do the supernatural. And I want us to have faith for that as a church. And, and probably the thing that I like the most about Micah's story is what's happened since then, and it's your third fill in the blank, and it's a, the Holy Spirit empowers me to live on mission, on mission, because watching Micah since that happened, I'm telling you, and the same thing is true in the, the New Testament. If you read about anybody who is filled with the Holy Spirit, what you're gonna see is you're gonna see boldness and courage. You're gonna see people who have a, just an extra measure of boldness and courage because they're living on mission, by the way, if you're not living on mission, I'm not sure that you need the boldness and the courage. Some of us need, you know, we wanna be filled with the Holy Spirit, but are you gonna do something with that to impact the kingdom, to impact eternity? And you see these people living on mission. And Micah now, when, when there's somebody that needs prayer, uh, he's gonna be up involved in it. He's gonna get, get up in that mess. And it's awesome to watch. There have been times I've looked up on the platform during response time and his guitar was sitting on the, the stage because he was out praying for people. And he just said, hey guys, cover me, I'm going in. Uh, and, and the team's like, that's great, that's great. But there is an extra level of boldness and of courage that he has to go, you know what, I'm not... I'm not any better than anybody else, but I believe that God can heal because I've seen him do it in me and I wanna see him do it in you. And that's what it's about for us, church. God has called us to make a difference, to make an impact. Now think about the hurricanes that we've experienced. And man, I'm, I'm fatigued just with the news and watching and then seeing some of the images that have come in from Michael, y'all, it's devastating what's happened down there. What, what I think the world needs more than anything is a group of spirit-filled believers who are willing to get their hands dirty, to serve, to clean, to muck out homes, to just show that, man, we care. There's a God that loves you and cares. And we're working with a church, an ARC church down in Panama City area um, called Destiny uh, Prayer Center. And they are already doing incredible things down there. They've sent some pictures back and it is, it is devastating. We lived through Hurricane Hugo, our family did. And I remember just the mass devastation and they're experiencing that um, probably and then some. And so we're gonna keep giving. What we need is some spirit-filled people to go, you know what, I'm gonna get involved. I'm gonna give. And so there's a number that you can text, 320-320. If you text relief and then any amount, we're gonna send that straight to the front lines. And then there's gonna be chances for us to serve. In fact, this week, we've still got three or four teams that are going out this week up to Conway to serve because there are people in Conway that need, to, need help, need some spirit-filled people to come alongside of them. And that's what the Holy Spirit's power does. It empowers us to live on mission. There's a cool story in Acts chapter six where there was a, a problem with the widows and the orphans. They didn't have enough food. And, and they didn't just look for some warm bodies to help them out. They said, no, we're gonna pray. We need some spirit-filled Believers, They're gonna step into this and be led not of their own power, but of a power greater than them to help solve this problem. Right now, as we are sitting here experiencing God's power and God's presence, there's some spirit-filled people who are over there with our kids, teaching them in, in, in small groups and changing some diapers and doing some incredible things, not because they're great people, but because they're led by the Spirit. They're filled with the Spirit and they're on mission. And so, so I just wanna encourage you. Are you open to that? To a little more power than what you can muster up on your own? Some of you would go, well, Josh, I, I was taught that I was filled with the Holy Spirit the day that I was saved. And I would say, you were, absolutely. 
No questions about it. But you know what? I got married on May the 5th, 2001. Got a ring right here that proves it. I've got a piece of paper at the house. But did that make a great marriage? No, uh, that was the start of it, starting point. But every day thereafter has been a pursuit of each other or a lack thereof that has determined the relationship there. And, and the, the New Testament talks about us having relationship and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And I would say, great that you were filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you had an encounter with God one day way back when. When the Bible tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's a, a present participle something or another form. All I know is it's a constant be filling of the Holy Spirit. I didn't do great in grammar. Uh, but, but it's not a one-time event. It's a continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit because what was good for yesterday, you're gonna have some new things that you face today, that you need the power of God at work in your life. And so I would just invite you to be open to that. 2,000 years ago, some believers gathered in a room with an openness and a hunger for God. And he poured his spirit out on that church. And we're still seeing the ripple effect of that today. My prayer is that we would be a room and rooms full of people who are filled with the spirit of God, open to him and would say, God, I want more of you. I wanna experience your power. And by the way, one of the biggest frustrations around this topic is this kind of occasionally you'll see somebody who thinks because they're filled with the spirit and somebody else isn't, that it makes them better than them and they'll walk out with kind of their chest puffed out. There's no place for that in this teaching. There's no place for that in the New Testament. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. Being filled with the Holy Spirit makes me better than me. And we all need that. We all need to tap into a power that is greater than ourselves. And so we're gonna pray. And I would just ask you, not gonna do anything weird here, Notice nobody's hung, hung on any chandeliers yet. That's not what this is about. Nobody's gone running. This is about accessing a power that is greater than ourselves. And so if you're here today and go, Josh, I need that. I'd like to be filled with the spirit. Maybe again, just raise your hand. I know I'm there. I need it. And I'm just gonna pray over us as a church. You don't have to be shy about that. I mean, who doesn't want to be tapped into a power that is greater than themselves? So God, I thank you right now Lord, that 2,000 years ago, you poured your love and your grace, your joy, your spirit out on a group of believers. Lord, and their lives were never the same. And I pray, Lord, and I have faith today that you wanna do the same thing. So we as your people gathered in your house, just say, God, more. We want more of you. Fill us with your spirit. God, some of us need to see miracles in our lives. There are bonds of chains that have gone for generations, God, that we wanna see broken and we have faith that you can break them today. Some of us have health needs that we just need you to show up in power. God, we have faith that you can heal. Would you do that today? Lord, some of us need wisdom for major choices that we're trying to make and we just pray, Lord, for that whisper Son, go this way. Daughter, this is the way for you. We just wanna be connected into a power that is greater than our own. So fill us with your spirit, God. Fill us with your spirit. Come, Lord, in this place, in our worship, and fill us, that we would walk out of here with a, a supernatural boldness and courage to live our lives for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.